Hi everyone, it's Adam from Monkey Tennis here, just saying a huge thank you to all of you that have supported my charity appeal uh, so far. For those that haven't heard about it, this September I'm going to be swimming uh, 15 kilometres uh, between five islands in Cornwall. Uh, I'll be swimming the Isles of Scilly, that's Scilly, S-C-I-L-L-Y. Um, I'm doing it because I want to, but also to raise money for Calm, the campaign against living miserably. It's a well-known statistic that 125 people in the UK die by suicide every week, and Calm run a free and confidential helpline for people to speak through their problems and ultimately to help prevent suicides. Um, I'm looking to raise enough money to train two new phone workers um, to man those lines um, and I'll be doing it by swimming the Isles of Scilly in Cornwall. Um, if you're looking to support me, it would be greatly appreciated. Um, you can donate at justgiving.com. Um, just go there and search for Adam Swim Silly. That's Adam Swim Silly, S-C-I-L-L-Y. All donations greatly appreciated. Thank you for helping me to support Calm. And now, on with monkey tennis. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. I must complete the journey that my father never could. I must do it on foot. Can't remember why. It will be called The Footsteps of My Father Walk. My home isn't insulated. Monkey tennis? Heathrow is just an absolute tit of an airport. Quite simply, cows. Monkey tennis? With a stupid Ewok head. Lava on him, nosy. Love you, Aim. Monkey tennis? A total wazzock of a guy. Infinity, the final frontier. Monkey tennis? We will talk about it now, Mr. Nichols. Monkey tennis? Motherfucker. Gary Wilmot. Okay. Sue Cook. Okay. Dale Winton. Okay. Monkey tennis? Oh, fuck off, Nick. Hello, friends, once again, and welcome to a brand new series of Monkey Tennis, the Alan Partridge fan podcast. I'm Adam Brooks, and I'm joined by Tom Dark. Oh, this tea tastes of chicken. Nick Alder. Eat a little snack. Oop, fat back. <laughs> and Tom Stab. That was classic intercourse. So uh, welcome back, everybody. It's been a little while. Uh, we've got a lot to discuss. Now, m those of you that follow us on social media will know that uh, we're going to be covering the Knowing Me, Knowing You radio series, uh, as well as a couple of other tidbits, tits bits. Um, <laughs> bits, tits, tits bits. But for now, there's a lot happening in, in real time in Alan World. Uh, by the time you hear this, some of this may already be out of date, but uh, please, <laughs> please do keep listening as we speculate wildly about what's coming up this year for Alan Partridge. Um, so, which should we start with? Uh, we heard that there might be a second series of uh, This Time with Alan Partridge. We've heard that Alan's going to launch his own podcast. Where to jump off, guys? 
Well, I mean, I think it's probably just quickly worth stressing that um, nothing has been officially announced or confirmed at the time that we're recording this, of course. There has been some speculation because obviously Steve's done a few uh, interviews for the press run for Greed. Well, he's done. he's been doing loads because they're also promoting uh, the trip to Greece as well, aren't they? Yes. Mm. So he's been doing loads of pr- uh, press and promo around that. A yeah. promo splurge, if you yeah. will. And it seems that he is also a bit looser with the details of forthcoming Alan projects <laughs> than <laughs> yeah. perhaps he's supposed to be. So we have heard details that we've then had sort of unconfirmed and uh yeah yeah there's uh, i think i think uh take everything that you hear from steve with a pinch of salt but yeah. we will go over his various uh media appearances in a few moments yeah well, i think we, we can maybe start with on the um steve mentioning this time series two happening uh interesting getting a few responses where it's still a bit of a mixed bag about about the first series that happened uh andrew moody said i liked it more on second viewing but would rather see him back in a sitcom setting like i'm alan partridge one and two David Ellis said this time is moribund and I'll be out rambling and drinking in beer gardens anyway. And Michael Cullum said, I think I speak for most of us here when I say splendid and tremendous and anyone who thinks differently is just sad. So still a mixed bag about this time, but personally I'm looking forward to a second series. I think though that also you need to remember those reviews are as much just uh, opportunities just to get Alanisms yeah. into a sentence <laughs> as they are actual you are, critical you are, reviews. You are bang right there. I think like this podcast. Yeah. In terms of a second series of this time, I think uh, I'd certainly want to see one, but also I think what I'd like to see is a little bit more narrative drive. I think that was one thing that I was a bit disappointed mm. in the first series was I hoped that kind of things behind the scenes would move at a bit of a mm. faster pace rather than them just Jenny and Alan just sort of disgruntling each other and it coming to a bit of a head i guess it kind of opens it opens up an opportunity for series two to be a bit more behind the scenes and actually delve into the alan jenny relationship and how that develops definitely possibly. i mean yeah. I will, we'll come on to uh, as we said uh, steve's been talking to a lot of media outlets and we've kind of gathered the the bits that we've learned from those about future alan um so we'll come on to it but certainly i get the impression from some things that he said in the big issue interview that jenny would be a much bigger part of the next series so it might almost oh, okay. become sort of maybe even level pegging or or certainly that, that her narrative would become a bigger part of it than than just being a foil to alan i mean i think for me personally from that series from this time series one um susanna fielding was a bit of a breakout star for me i thought Mm. she was amazing in that series so i'd be very happy to see her sort of have uh, an even more um integral role because she was pretty integral in the first series but i guess to to step that up and i guess the the steve and the gibbons brothers will you know they'll they're they're smart people they'll they'll know what worked in the first series and what didn't work in the first series and i guess you can kind of tailor that a little bit more i also want to see lynn lynn presenting jumble i think that's really important <laughs> that should happen yeah um i guess the first sort of big um uh news story was was steve when he was on uh empire's uh, 400th uh, live episode um he said that um a second series of of this time um was happening and that there would also be a podcast coming next month which at the time that we're recording this uh in february will be will be march uh, 2020 again like i said uh, earlier nothing officially confirmed but um i think we can play that clip in now and hear what steve had to say uh, uh, on the empire podcast so that's why that's why it's okay <laughs> <laughs> Uh, have you seen the last of him? Is is that a uh, well? No, 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 I don't. I, well, I, I like I likes doing him. You know. Yeah. Um, so I think no, I think he might come uh, show us because uh, we're probably going to do another series of okay. uh, this time. Fantastic. Uh, so uh, yeah, so he'll. I'm sure he might make another appearance. Yeah. There are yeah. always more IRA propaganda. I think the podcast thing um, is interesting. I'd be curious to know how much of this is them 
genuinely thinking that Alan can work within the medium, which to be fair, I think he can, and how much of it is almost a reaction to the popularity of podcasts in general. Specifically monkey tennis. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think immediately the thing that springs to mind, I haven't actually listened to it personally, but I'm aware that there is a Ron Burgundy podcast. So um, Will Ferrell in character mm. as Ron Burgundy. I haven't listened either, but that's exactly in, what I thought of as well. Yeah, yeah. so I mean, it's going to be an interesting logistical logistical challenge for us and to see how <laughs> we cover that. But obviously nothing has been confirmed yet, so we don't know really officially how many episodes it's going to be what it's going to cover um steve did mention uh, in that clip that you just heard the title of the show i mean that doesn't really lend itself to to any kind of indication of what it's going to be narratively so i guess we just have to kind of wait and see but it's going to be uh, it's going to be interesting certainly i think did he i think he said as a very throwaway comment in an interview it might have been radio 2 or something about it being an 18 episode podcast series right uh, definitely going to be a challenge then <laughs> i can't remember where that came from but um yeah d- just to stress none of this is official we're just grabbing bits of information as, as we've got them so uh yeah not quite sure how that's all going to develop i think the other thing that's interesting as well is almost not that it's any of our business but the uh, commercial model that sits behind podcasts and obviously you know how much steve and the team would make from podcasting versus selling it to sky for 100k are you saying he's <laughs> going to be bitterly disappointed i suppose one one, <laughs> one question that might come up is uh, to what extent the podcast is freely available or whether it is tied as an exclusive because obviously if it's like an audible original exactly if it's if it's if it's released just on one platform you can see that's where the money might come from Mm. whereas if you're just putting it out as a bit of fun everywhere it's hard to see how that how that would justify their time or it might just be exclusive on bbc sounds i mean it might be part of the wider i mean again we're speculating might be part of the wider deal for a second series of this time we don't we just don't know so it's all speculation at this point Cool. So should we just rifle through some of the other interviews that Steve's done recently? I read uh, him in the FT uh, a couple of bits that I really liked in his interview. Uh, To quote Steve, he said, My idea of indulgence is to watch air crash investigations with a bar of chocolate. I thought that was pure real life Partridge there, where Steve, where Coogan and Partridge combine. He must know that as well. He must know. I think he's playing that up. Um, and they talked about uh, Partridge being outstripped by real TV presenters, such as Richard Madeley and Piers Morgan. And Coogan said, there's no doubt that Alan Partridge is more subtle than the people you've mentioned. He's more real, weirdly. I, it was quite an interesting take. I remember some of the negative feedback around this time from mm. the media and I think from fans as well was that sort of Trump and Madeley, I know they're completely different, but sort of like those kind of figures, those polarizing mm. figures have almost you know being so extreme so extreme that the 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 comedy of alan is kind of nulled a little bit because they're way more extreme versions it's the sort of thing that comes up a lot when people interview armando inucci about um the thick of it as well always saying Mm. well you couldn't do it now could you because politics has evolved beyond in beyond parody almost yeah that that was in that show i also think inucci agrees with that as well i think he says that himself yeah Yeah, definitely uh one more line from the ft uh interview uh steve said alan partridge subsidizes my work with michael winterbottom (laughs) which we've kind of talked about that before that one for you one for me type idea that's a very nice way yeah. of putting it yeah. and, and also the one for them is kind of oh i get to go to greece for a few weeks as well it's not exactly a hardship is it <laughs> i think St- steve Coogan must be really enjoying his time in greece at the moment that's a film and a whole tv series over there um there's a couple of other filmed interviews that i would certainly recommend listeners uh, check out if they can one is the one that steve coogan did with joe uh the interview is mainly about the film greed which which came out just before we started recording um but he did mention in it that they finished recording the podcast the alan partridge podcast already and that they may put fake ads in it which i thought was particularly nice because that's exactly what we did in our first couple of series <laughs> thanks guys yeah appreciate that um he also did a filmed interview with gq there wasn't a huge amount of intel in terms of future alan projects but it is a great watch because it's basically him looking back at cl- 
clips throughout his career of Philomena and Alan Partridge and effectively watching them until he has a little chuckle and then pausing them and kind of giving us a bit of insight about how they did those clips and why they did them the way they did. So uh, so that was really good. That's what I quite liked about that, the fact that he did seem to genuinely enjoy yeah. watching those back as well. I was quite pleased yeah. about that. And also they picked, you know, I mean, I can't blame them, but they picked the absolutely most obvious clips, you know, like mm. shouting Dan and smell my cheese. And, and I thought he might have been sick to the back teeth of seeing them, but he mm. seemed to be enjoying watching them. Yeah, I think the only one that he was maybe a little bit like that was the Dan one. When that still came up and it was about to be played, he, he said something along the lines of, oh, right, this one or oh, here we go <laughs> and that sort of thing but all the other ones that they played he kind of you know did laugh and you know you know i think we we know from what steve says in interviews that he still has a lot of warmth and, and love for that character, not just for the financial reasons, but also because I think he really <laughs> enjoys playing him again. Yeah, he, he hardened towards him, didn't he, when he yeah. kind of went to America and wanted to really try to do some other things. And then, and I think, as he says, actually, in the in the GQ interview, I think when he's watching a clip of Philomena, that that was a very freeing film for him to do because it mm. made Alan, you know, a fun luxury that he could go back to because it was fun rather than a kind of a necessity because it was his living um he also gave a really long really great cover interview with the big issue um you can't buy it anymore so i don't feel uh, uncomfortable ethically about reading out a short excerpt <laughs> um uh, but uh, yeah they, there's a big section in it about the alan partridge podcast it actually gives probably more insight than i've seen anywhere else um he said we've just finished a podcast which will be announced shortly and out quite soon of alan's private life it's alan at home a smaller more unplugged kind of alan he He's done this time and has some degree of success and it's him trying to cash in on it so oh. that's a bit more information in terms of the, the the setup of it i expect it probably will be primarily him speaking into a microphone i don't expect there'll be a lot of additional characters i don't think mm. it sounds like it's gonna be you know kind of maybe it'll be a bit self-helpy you know it's kind of like the lessons of my life with alan partridge <laughs> that sort of thing which i think could lessons work really life well. management yeah <laughs> i mean i guess the thing as well is that however it works it's um they've got form the writers and and creators and steve of turning to new outlets i suppose you know film and radio and so on this is probably the first time that that an outlet in podcasting that they uh that they're having a go at didn't exist when they started right. alan you know mm -hmm. even even i suppose i suppose when they first did like the day-to-day -day, that was probably pre-internet so mid-morning matters mm. webcast was not a possibility but this is the first time there's an entirely new medium that's that's existed since alan i think something i i really imagine with this and i'd be surprised if they don't take this conceit forward with it is alan kind of hating the concept of podcast but feeling like it's something he needs to do yeah and kind of all the hilarity that ensues mm. with that i no, would imagine there's definitely going to be some some fun poked at the conventions of podcasts aren't there yeah. you know like kind of adverts for mattresses and so on um and i mean of course they poked fun at pod uh, like fan podcasts hello uh yeah. in this time already yeah. with the doctor who thing didn't they yeah. so I'd, i would imagine it'd be a continuation of that there's so many thing. angles to attack it from isn't there there's like alan you know funny because he's a, he's a you know a, a, an odd character there's making fun of the conventions of podcasts there's also alan trying Trying to trying to recreate the conventions of podcasting, getting it wrong, yeah, and yeah, yeah, exactly, and yeah. potentially even a guest as well. So there's there's so, so much, much to, to enjoy, yeah. and hopefully shouting at Lynn in the background. Uh, there's also a bit of chat in the Big Issue interview about uh, the second series of this time. He said we'll probably do another this time. Uh, it was great having Susanna Fielding; she was brilliant, and it was great to have her have her own story rather than just being a two dimensional foil for Alan. So we're just doing that. Um, yeah. 
So yeah, I mean, initially when I read that, I thought when he says, so we're just doing that, I thought he was talking about actually just developing Jenny's story almost independent of Alan. But I think he means we're just doing that. We're just making the series. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, Steve was also on the uh, Simon Mayo and Mark Kermode film show uh, when he was talking about Greed um, and he'd been kind of doing the doing the rounds with Michael Winterbottom. Interestingly, they didn't really talk much about Alan, um, although they did say that Steve had kind of come in at the last minute to kind of help the project out because he wasn't originally... Um, uh, the person they had in mind to play uh, that role in Greed. Uh, they did say uh, Sasha Baron Cohen was the uh, original uh, lead for that, um, mm. which I thought, oh. interesting. But you can see how he... Um, I don't know, cause I don't know what you thought, but I, I thought Steve Coogan looked like quite a convincing Philip Green, basically. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I guess, obviously, yeah, it's they're treading a fine line between fiction and reality, aren't they? Some They say in, in most of these interviews that, that some of the lines in the film are things that Philip Green's actually said. Um, but yeah. Oh, right, right. So, question to the group: Could you get Sasha Baron Cohen in to play Alan Partridge last minute? If Steve pulled out of the filming of the next series of Alan Partridge, could you get could Sasha Bowen, Baron or, or, Cohen step into or those? Would he be shoes? a good when you talked about this before, like a good young Alan Partridge or a good Fernando or something like that? Yeah, or like a kind of alternate reality Partridge where he, <laughs> where he he tried to be like a more controversial LBC kind of shock jock. <laughs> so I can imagine Sasha Baron Cohen doing that sort of Alan. Yeah, an alternate reality, so an alternate APU, so an AAPU. An yes, AAPU. Yeah. you right. heard it here first. <laughs> and you say young Alan Partridge, uh, he's forty eight. <laughs> <laughs> it's younger than Coogs though, isn't it? So still yeah. works. <laughs> Just. <laughs> so that's just a brief summary of some of the interviews that Steve Coogan's given recently in the run-up to the trip and in the run-up to Greed and also about future Alan. Um, but really, the people that matter are you, the listeners. So we're now going to go over to some of the feedback we've had from you since we recorded Series 8, beginning with some tidbits from Tom Stab. So one of the pieces of feedback we probably had the biggest volume of was probably a collective group brain fart when uh, <laughs> through when doing uh, uh, our series on Nomad. Uh, we had quite a lot of people point out uh, that we got our Rocky and our Rambos mixed up a little bit. Oh, dear. <laughs> <laughs> Which I think is just like one of those things where we're in the moment of recording the podcast and, you know, not necessarily taking everything in because we've got points to make. We're reading ahead. <laughs> well, we're just kind of like... This is the thing. I don't think it paints us in a very good light because I think the genuine excuse is none of us were fully paying attention to what Adam was saying at the time. <laughs> Including so even, me. Even though that's the genuine reason, that yeah. doesn't make it okay. No. I mean, it's a reason. Um, so we've got a couple of voice notes uh, of people pointing this out. Um, so we're going to drop those in now. Hi guys, I was just listening to your discussion about the opening chapters of Nomad when you were talking about the line about the stairs at the Philadelphia Town Hall and discussing if that was maybe a more important building and that was the joke. I think the joke is that he says Rambo running up the stairs <laughs> when clearly it's Rocky. Yeah. I don't know how you missed that one. Anyway, cheers for the show. Keep it up. Bye. I'll tell you how we missed it, Alex. It's because we're fallible humans. Please do not elevate us to the level of gods. Say <laughs> it like it is, mate. It went tits up. Uh, yeah, we also had a couple of emails uh, on that as well, including one from Philip Moore in Northampton. Big up yourself from Northampton, like me. Uh, hate to be so early with the critique, like 7am early. I assume that means that's when he sent the email. Does that mean he'd base, he must have been listening like the moment it went live on... Yeah, <laughs> and, <laughs> and was up with the partridge. Yep. <laughs> a, a day dot there, Philip. Uh, uh, but you've done such a classic misunderstanding of a nomad joke, I had to email in and point it out and laugh at you. <laughs> he, he just had to he do that. He just had to do that. <laughs> 
There you all are at length discussing why the joke is that it's Philadelphia City Hall rather than Town Hall and not actually noticing that the joke is, he says Rambo, which of course he should be saying Rocky. Is it a mistake? Yes, it bloody well is for shame. So that's the actual joke. Uh, Happy to be of help in clearing that up. Um, And we had a few tweets about that as well. But yeah, the general consensus is that um, we don't really listen to what Adam's saying when recording the podcast. Yep. I just can't believe that there's five of us that were in that room listening to this and no one picked up on it. Ah, (laughs) Good good point. You've gone for the five there. So what we're doing now, we're putting the blame onto Jed. Yes, he is one fifth of the problem. Jed, you should have pulled us up on this. Unless Jed isn't listening either. (laughs) That is quite possible. He's probably playing football manager, isn't he? Yeah. Hi, guys. Just listening to the new podcast, Re Nomad. Are you driving? Just a quick point to want to pick you up on. The the joke that you missed was, it's Rocky on the Philadelphia Steps. Yeah, we know. Hall. Not Rambo. So yes, we know. Just to be clear, Rocky. Yes. Not Rambo. We know. Motherfucker. <laughs> Thanks very much for that. And also, Dan Beckett on Twitter said, "Plus, it's Philadelphia Art Museum, not a town hall." Brilliant. So <laughs> I think even my original point was wrong. Um, <laughs> he's, he's the only person that's pointing that out. Yeah, well. that's true. Yeah. Uh, moving on, we had an email from Martin Lyons. He said, "Hi guys, I was wondering after listening to the latest episodes about the start of Nomad, is there more than one audiobook version? I have the hardback and got the audiobook the day it came out, and my audiobook has a list of condemnations right after the lack of acknowledgments. This does not appear in the hardcover. Have you guys heard this? If not, I can cut it out and send it. Uh, now, of course, I'm wondering if there are any more edits between audiobook versions. For reference, the length of my version is six hours, three minutes, and three seconds." Very precise. Thank you, Martin. So we've done two things here. Firstly, we've uh, obviously gone back to see if there is a section of condemnations in the audiobook. And also we've had a quick look at how long the versions that we've got of the audiobook are. Thank you, Martin, who also, he actually uh, put the clip in and sent it to us. So we'll play that out to you now. Here we go. Acknowledgements. On this occasion, there is no one I wish to acknowledge. Thank you. Condemnations. Although there is no one I wish to acknowledge, there are many I wish to condemn. Stephen McComb, <laughs> Kim Wilde, the Dimbleby Brothers, Peter Sissons, Swing Ball Dispute, BBC Good Food Magazine, Quick Fit Fitters, Isis, Loud Eaters, my friend Andrew's nephew, Sean, CompareTheMarket.com, <laughs> Janet Street Porter and her ilk, all the team at Timpson's in Chapelfield Shopping Centre. The woman in the Nissan Duke who cut me up at Grapes Hill round about 30th December 2015. You're an idiot and you should learn to do the wanker sign better. <laughs> Edmunds. <laughs> okay, and so uh, Martin also says, yeah, the length of his book, uh, audio book, was six hours, three minutes and three seconds. We've done a bit of cross-referencing to see if uh, we've all got the same or whether maybe there's some secret partridge hidden in some people's versions. Uh, I mean, I checked on iTunes. The version on iTunes is six hours and two minutes, so that kind of matches up with what he's got. So that definitely isn't in our versions, which is weird. Mm. Because that's really funny as well. Yeah, it's great. It's great. Perhaps a legal challenge from Edmunds. Forced its (laughs) removal, I don't know. Has he heard the rest of the book? (laughs) (laughs) Could be the Dimbleby Brothers. There's definitely a grudge held there as Mm -hmm. well. Um, Yeah, that was was really good. I like like that. Uh, Anyway, we'll move on now to uh, the J. Higgs mystery, which I'm sure everybody will be uh, on tenterhooks to hear more about. So, obviously, we put forward quite a controversial suggestion that perhaps John Higgs had been involved in ghostwriting Nomad. We had an email from Matty Conig saying the following. Just a quick note to debunk producer Jed's theory about Jay Higgs. 
That special thanks, in fact, refers to none other than Jonathan Higgs, lead singer of Art Rocker's Everything Everything, who designed the recreation of Alan's logo featured on the site. Uh, and then he's put a link to the original tweet where I think I think there was some kind of online competition where he submitted it. So there we have it. Apparently, that's the answer. Uh, not- I think I'd be keen to say, <laughs> does anyone else anyone else have any kind of um, uh, means by which this can be proved to be true? Well, I think it's a more likely theory than Jed's theory that somebody <laughs> else that had the same publisher was writing a similar book that was then the basis for Nomad, <laughs> and then the only way they thanked him was a secret message on a fictitious <laughs> website. Absolute loony conspiracy theorist. Yeah. Um, so yeah, on, on the tweets, um, he's basically linked to some tweets back in 2016, uh, where you can see Jonathan J. Higgs, uh, that's the guy from Everything Everything, saying, I made the one they put up, it was about five days later than this thread, where there'd basically been a few people, a few other graphic designers having a go at making it. Um, another fun bit here as well, we did tweet uh, John Higgs from the Monkey Tennis account saying, hi John Higgs, did you enjoy writing Nomad? He did actually reply saying, ha, yes, very much. I, li- I mean, technically, an admission of guilt. You <laughs> wrote, hi, yes, very much. I listened to the audiobook of that when I was writing Watling Street. In my head, I was indeed writing Nomad. Mm. Now, I'm pretty sure the timeline of that doesn't actually mm. line up. Mm. So, still under suspicion. So, perhaps in his head, he was indeed writing Nomad. But because... maybe also in his hands. <laughs> <laughs> um, and next, we had a message from Fraser Davidson, who says, I emailed Lynn when Nomad came out. Here's the reply I got. Assumed it was an auto response. Maybe not. And the response reads, uh, thanks, Fraser. May the good Lord guide you, Lynn Benfield. I mean, it sounds genuine. I mean, that, so that's that's through the uh, the email link that was on the footsteps of my father website, isn't yes. it? Yes. Yeah. So that's a different response because I think Adam and I both emailed that address and we did get the same like auto-generated response, didn't we? I don't, I'm not sure I got one. I, I think perhaps um, perhaps this is something they were only doing for a limited time when mm. the book came out yeah. and then they lost well, interest. An auto, an auto response as well. <laughs> well yeah, sure. But I mean, it's yeah, like the, whoever was paying the bills for that to happen, it's since lapsed because the book's been out for a couple of years. Yeah. Um, and then we had a follow-up message on a similar theme from JJ Dunning, um, who went to a, a cracking owl sanctuary uh, and found an owl that was sponsored by Alien Benfield. Uh, he's shared a link to a tweet, um, which essentially shows a more pork owl, um, which which amused me. Just the name more pork, more pork. <laughs> the owl okay. is the more pork owl. Uh, he's called Bandit, uh, although he used to be called. Boo book. I think that's probably relevant. Don't need to go into that detail. Yeah, I think and you're shit chatting by this point. <laughs> yeah. The point being that um, uh, Lynn Benfield has kindly sponsored that out, and there's a picture um, with uh, uh, of a sign that says "kindly sponsored by Lynn Benfield." Okay, so do we think is that a genuine real life it's, Lynn Benfield, or is that somebody who's in on the gag? Is no, that one? That yeah. is. That is. An, <laughs> it's got to be right. Yeah. That is an absolute deep dive Partridge Gold yeah. fan yeah. action. That's that the sort of thing we are here for. Very typical of the the very best of Alan Partridge fans uh, speaking as someone who has named their own pet Lynn as well if we we can achieve one thing in the years of the nine series of doing this podcast it's that at least one in five people listening to this could go out and sponsor an animal on behalf of a character from (laughs) or better still pay enough to name the animal uh, after Simon or Lynn or Psychic Simon if anybody does this send us a picture and we will absolutely uh, give you the glory you deserve I think it's a a wonderful thing to be doing so you mentioned Simon just made me think there as well the uh, condemnations thing just to skip backwards did you like the uh, compare them compare the market compare the meerkat reference as well bit, oh bit yeah because yeah. simon, oh, simon green was the voice of the meerkats yeah, yeah. yeah. i like very that. good very good 
Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy, Allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Uh, we're going to take it back to Nomad again uh, with uh, chat about twocking. Now, if you remember from Nomad, uh, twocking was, a, uh, as Alan uh, describes in the book, a Newcastleian word. Uh, which means, uh, which stands for taking without consent. We have quite a lot of um, feedback on this. It's, uh, it's something that people uh, obviously want to get in touch with us about and, and confirm uh, their interpretation or where they think it came from. So, uh, yeah, as Alan says, he believes it to be a Newcastleian word. Um, we've got an email from Andrew Green who says, I'm originally from Washington, Tyne and Weir, which technically counts as Sunderland rather than Newcastle. And I remember the word from school. As far as I can remember, it stands for taking without owner's consent. I've always thought it was a northeastern phrase, and I first heard it in a joke ringtone called the Chav Song. I've managed to find it on YouTube. Here's a link, uh, and if you play this uh, in the podcast, I apologise to all who hear it. <laughs> and we're going to play a clip of it now. Ha <laughs> Listen to this, Conto. It's fucking wicked. I'm a charver. I'll talk you more. If you oh, you yeah, I'll swap your box on over. Now grab your monkey and get yourself over. You'll find us up the park. Brand new box of tabs, but I'm struggling to find myself a spark. Don't know what to do, so I pulled out my phone. Ran me best mate, but the fucker wasn't home. You'll find us up the park. Brand new box of wow. tabs, but I'm struggling to find myself a spark. Don't know what to do, so I pulled out my phone. Ran me best mate, but the fucker wasn't home. Something. Well, yeah, they got talking quite early there. Yeah, didn't they? Good. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> nice. Uh, thank you, Andrew. Um, we also had a few people get in touch with us on Twitter about this as well. Uh, John Ratton says, always thought that Twok was a Scouse thing. Uh, Craig Walker, hey lads, I'm a Newcastlian and I've definitely heard Twok. Not sure if it's only from Newcastle, but defo a thing. Uh, the Audacity 180 uh, uh, also got in touch on Twitter saying, our work Geordie knows what Twok means and he works in an office. So, <laughs> so he's certainly adequately educated. Wow. Whether or not... Right, it, that, 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 is, that, that is mean. Uh, whether or not it is of Geordie origin, I don't know. Although he was the only one that laughed when I said, uh, I, I know Twok in man. Uh, sorry, he said, I, I know what Twok in man. Uh, and I hope this helps with your investigation. Bye. It is an investigation. Yeah. <laughs> That's the appropriate word here. Uh, 
uh, Chrissy Mack 26. Hi boys, twok is a Geordie word and was in Geordie, uh, was in the Geordie dialect book in the Newcastle Chronicle. So your female Geordie was wrong. Just to confirm, that is uh, my friend Sophie, who uh, I got in touch with in the last series to confirm whether twok was a Newcastlean word or not. And she had never heard of it. So uh, quite a few people getting in touch and saying that it is actually a Geordie Does thing. Does that just mean... Sophie comes from an area of Newcastle where twocking did not occur. Maybe, maybe. Possibly. Don't know. Okay, we've also had an email from uh, Drew Cameron titled A Piece of Proper Partridge Pedantry with Peas. Uh, <laughs> More peas than a pe- pinch's pamper. I shall rattle through it because it's quite long. He said, I enjoyed your deep dive into Nomad. As usual, lovely stuff. Thanks very much, Drew. Uh, however, I have to pull you up on one thing. Of course you do. There was a comment <laughs> that the only people who recognised Alan in the APU were Brian the Tramp in Nomad, the woman in the car from Alpha Papa, and Jed Maxwell from I'm Alan Partridge. This is not the case. While the following list may open me up to ac- accusations of pedantry, I feel justified because this is an Alan Partridge podcast and you have interviewed one of the list's members. In chronological order, the other people who have recognised Alan on site... One, Lisa Thornton, the uh, Kim Kuwap beauty contest, who bears a striking resemblance to Susan. She says, uh, gushes and says, I've always wanted to meet you. Two, Peter Linehan, the chap in the BBC restaurant responsible for revamping their current affairs, says, we haven't met, but I liked your chat show. Uh, three, the farmers who launched a, ca- a targeted cow strike. <laughs> Four, point. Sir Dansworth of Moodyshire comments, and I know who you are, Norfolk Knights. And Kevin Ruddock, the CEO of First Person Finance, who suffers an Allen attack in Scissored Isle, listens to Allen's show every morning, and his favourite bit is Lunchtime Lunatics. He said, keep up the fantastic work that's daft keep up the good work <laughs> thanks very much drew i think this is a, a, a rare occasion that you've got us absolutely banged to rights uh, and yes it is pedantry but uh, we've encouraged it so we can hardly complain now the only one that i would potentially put a flag on is the second one the peter linehan one where that guy could actually just be telling a lie that he'd heard of alan's uh, sorry that uh, that he liked alan's he liked, show oh yeah, yeah. There's, like, there's definitely a degree of politeness in some yeah, of these yeah. isn't there <laughs> Speaking of other things that we would like to encourage, no, that's not a good link because it's time to talk about Nick Knowles. <laughs> uh, I just really enjoyed a few of the Nick Knowles-based responses that we've had in reference to Nomad. Chris Miller on Twitter, <laughs> this really tickled me. Uh, huge bone to pick. I was just winding my car windows down to get rid of the condensation and to my neighbours, innocent bystanders, it could, may have looked like I was listening to Nick Knowles. Dippy V on Twitter wrote to us saying, oh God, that's singing from Nick Knowles. As a music teacher, that's not what I wanted to hear whilst getting up. Oh dear. And Marcus Whitehead on Facebook said, Nick Knowles is an oily git. (laughs) (laughs) I I just enjoyed those. I thought it was worth putting them out. And quickly jumping to another C-list TV presenter in a Rogue Trader star. We also had a message in about Dom Littlewood from Barbara Kirk. Dom Littlewood said he'd like to get rid of Alan Partridge programmes in the sidebar of his tele-review in the Sunday Express. I'd like to get rid of Dom Littlewood and all that ilk. I think we'd agree with you there, Barbara. I did wonder, though, uh, does Dom Littlewood hate Partridge because he knows that he gets mocked in Nomad? Uh, The line in Nomad about a presenter who looks and sounds like he won his primetime BBC presenting job in a raffle... Could 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 that be the reason why he's written that column? It's a chicken and egg thing, isn't it? One of those things has come first yeah. and it's probably yeah. a reaction to the other. Yeah, We've had a theory in from Dom Risk about uh, Alan's parents uh, because there's obviously some confusion across the books about which ones are dead and which ones are alive. Uh, he said, Mum died in the first book, Dad was a mess, Alan took charge. Dad died in the second book, Mum a mess, Alan took charge. So already... You know, these two theories can't coexist. Mm-hmm. Unreliable narration. Yeah. So he thinks the, the he's a cynical part of me would suggest that Alan got such a good comeback from the first uh, book that he made up the second. Yep. Or alternatively, his dad remarried and the adult Alan is the sort of person that would call his dad's new wife mum. 
Um, hmm, that's quite an interesting second. Yeah, a there. few things to unpick there. I mean, obviously, both. You know, they, it can't be that his mum died. His mum and his dad both died first. So yeah. one of these theories has to be true. <laughs> um, I mean, in cases like this, I sort of think the first theory that Alan got such good comeback from the first book that he made up the second. That seems very likely. Mm. Equally, it's just writer error. <laughs> you know, perhaps the writers of Partridge just uh, missed the death of one of the parents. I think that's one of the few things we found across the APE where there isn't a definitive yeah. version. There, there isn't anything we, we don't know which is supposed to be correct and whether that's an intentional error or not, we, but, we'll but we do know. That, know. But we do know that there's someone that they pay to archive all of this stuff <laughs> and, yeah. and manage the timeline. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that person should probably have been fired by now. Maybe, <laughs> maybe they were having a day off on that day. We've got five bits of Nomad's Tits bits. Uh, so uh, we've got a few Nomad bits to go through. So starting with uh, when we announced that we'd be covering uh, Nomad, we include a lovely picture of, uh, of our good selves. It really was a lovely a picture. Lovely picture. Uh, our, our first bit of uh, response to that was uh, from Liv Fleming, who says, disappointed that you've chosen to make Nomad into a serialised primetime <laughs> podcast when, and I cannot stress this enough, it should simply be about honouring Alan's dead father. Unbelievable. Uh, I mean, I believe we did put in the blurb when we announced this that it would be a podcast recorded a dead dad honoured. Yes, so, that's very true. Know, that was very much part of our thinking. I like that we're primetime, though. She's got that a bit right. Oh, yeah. Primetime well, podcast. I mean, you know, listen to it at seven o'clock. It's primetime. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Aid Dodds said, nice to see what you all look like, though I expected you to have far nicer eyes. I think it's a bit harsh. I think we've all got quite fetching eyes. I expected you to have more constructive feedback. <laughs> Lovely eyes. Uh, Robert Jeb said about the picture, they look like the band the Beatles could have been. Hopefully not in real time. <laughs> <laughs> Dave Hughes got in touch on Twitter with a bit of extra Edmonds trivia. Always welcome. Um, I had a Hornby train set back in the late 80s and he narrated the cassette that came with it about putting the track together. Must have been hard times at that point. I don't think it'd be hard times, really. I think he was probably just cashing in on the on the BBC fame. Just like, taking every opportunity he can. Yeah, Horn, yeah. Horn, Hornby in the 80s, that could be some serious money. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's, they were that's the clash of clans of the 80s, probably. <laughs> <laughs> that is an actual gravy train coming to a <laughs> Yeah, that was very good. Yeah, yeah. Ah, uh, you should have gone there with the. There we go. We're in a new studio, so we've got access to new facilities and new features. Uh, next up, I suggested that Ian McShane would make a great Lionel Partridge. Mick Hennessy says uh, Ian McShane would make a very good Flint. I reckon. I think. I think he's possibly right. Yeah, good one. Oh, yeah. Could Alan, play both Alan's, characters. That could be the thing. It's like slightly <laughs> different makeup and slightly that's different Flint. hair. Alan's fictitious detective series, isn't yes. it? Yeah. Yes. Which one smoked in the bed and potentially burnt his wife to no, death? Flint. Was it? That, I thought that was Swallow, the firefighter. No, no Flint. Oh. Swallow's the um, the detective. Oh. Yeah, the, Flint's the firefighter. Flint's the firefighter. Who's yeah. Poirot? <laughs> <laughs> let's, let's move on. Uh, in summary, I think basically, dear the Gibbons, get Ian McShane in the APU pronto. Uh, Dippy V, in touch again, says, wonder how many audiobooks were bought of Nomad. I bought it and not a hard copy. I think, um, from my personal experience, I think a lot of people that I know listened to the audiobook of iPartridge, so I wonder if the effect of that and that sort of like getting a bit of word of mouth, oh, have you listened to the audiobook? Mm. It's it's Steve Coogan reading it as Alan, had an impact directly on, on Nomad audiobook sales as well. I wonder, actually, because when we have talked about the sales figures that we have been able to find for the books, whether they actually include audiobook sales? They wouldn't do, no. They'd no? just be hard. They'd just as be hard back As our resident back. publishing expert. As okay. publishing expert or the closest thing you can get to around <laughs> this table. It will do. Yeah, yeah th those were definitely just hardback and paperback sales. Okay, so it's not like in the music industry, 
CD download streaming is all one chart. That no, they, re- okay. they report separately. It's okay. hardback, paperback, and 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 audio. Um, right. And finally, just in this section, uh, Darren Evans on Twitter says, "I once saw a seagull attack and kill a pigeon in Cardiff. When I came back that way about an hour later, it was eating its head." Bye. <laughs> What's that in reference to? There's a seagull. There's a seagull attack in Nomad. Or <laughs> yes, um, him and Bill Oddie are talking about seagulls and calling. Uh, he calls them jackals of the sky. Oh, that's yeah. right. Yeah, and and we then... did about half an episode just talking about seagulls. <laughs> it was a very confusing time. <laughs> uh, so, I mean, it's that point in uh, every episode of the podcast that we like to talk about ant stats. I ju- I'm fucking with you. It's the first time we've covered this. Uh, Matt Andrews got in touch on Twitter and said, I wanted to dive into Alan's ridiculous claim about ants. Here's his quote. Even the tiny ant who can carry weight equivalent to a human lifting at a guess 60 skyscrapers. Now, clearly this was included because Alan's numbers are wrong, but I wondered how wrong. So I did the maths. Great, great. Really keen to hear this. The strongest ants can lift around 5,000 times their body weight. The strongest humans can lift around 7.4 times their body weight. That still seems pretty amazing. That's a lot. 60 skyscrapers would weigh about 13 (laughs) million tonnes. This equates to a human lifting over 215,000 times their body weight. If an ant could lift 215,000 times their body weight, this would be just over one kilogram. Put another way, Alan is suggesting a single ant can lift seven apples simultaneously <laughs> or 1.5 loaves of bread. But my favourite thing about this uh, this message from Matt Andrews is that uh, he then goes on to send us links to all of his sources. Biggest weight lifted by a human, 457 kilograms from the New Scientist. Average human weight, 62 kilograms from BBC. Uh, strongest ant lift ratio. <laughs> Average weight of an ant, 60 milligrams. Average weight of a skyscraper. And then he ends by saying, no, I'm not a statistician, but biologist or even very good at maths so take all of the above with a pinch of salt thanks that's a huge amount of research we we appreciate that thank you very much matt so good so good i've just realized something matt andrews gets even better because the next message we have to read out is also from matt andrews he writes absolutely loving the old fuck off nick in the opening jingle feel like this needs to become a regular sound effect whenever polls are suggested etc so it's time to talk twitter polls oh fuck off nick Finally, I thought this moment would never happen, but it's been given the spotlight it rightly deserves, and I'm only furious that it's not an entire episode of its own. I get to talk about our polls, which have been phenomenally successful. Can't thank everyone enough that's participated. They've been a huge success, and I think everyone agrees. Um, so the Twitter... There was broad agreement. <laughs> of that, there can be no doubt. Yeah, I like the polls. They, their votes seem to suggest. <laughs> People like them. We should do more of them. So what we're going to do is just run you through the results of the polls um, to, one, highlight just how staggeringly popular they are, <laughs> and two, just to uh, uh, quickly summarise what the results were. Um, so we ran a poll each week as part of our uh, last series of the Good, podcast. Can I just say, we didn't do it each week. We ended four by the looks of it. <laughs> we did four. <laughs> we did four um, polls, and they were as follows. So we asked, after discussing Alan's dislike of Fairground by Simply Read this week, we thought we'd take it to you, the listeners, for the definitive answer. So essentially, was... Um, the song Fairground by Simply Read a Banger um, the answer was either yes or no um, you've answered that question and somehow 27% of you thought yes it was a banger you're wrong yeah, it, is was a banger. Me. it is, it a, is banger. a banger backed so oh. I'm the only one that thinks it's not a banger. Yes, but you are in line with the voting public, so talk us through the results. So, uh, well, I was trying to, mate. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and 73% of you said, no, it's awful, and I'm 100% with you. Uh, so there was uh, con- 
pretty much conclusive evidence there that it's an absolutely terrible unbelievable scum subhuman scum um we then went on to do a poll around uh the footsteps of our father um sketch our father (laughs) sketch logo our father who art in alan (laughs) be quiet brother adam (laughs) uh so we (laughs) (laughs) that is the new studio coming into its own uh, brilliant uh, so we all drew a uh, picture of the footsteps uh, of my father logo, <laughs> um, which was with staggering results, to be honest. Which was easier said than done. Um, we put it to you to vote for who did the best one, and uh, there, there is a there I'm is a just winner. Looking at yours, it's absolutely cracking me up. Why are the feet so massive? And why is there a <laughs> but, tiny face between the shoes? <laughs> I think what happened was I forgot. I forgot basically what was happening. I just, drew, <laughs> just drew some big. I mean, feats. that does happen pretty much every recording day. Yep. So yeah. So let's let's um, let's get to the answers here. So uh, in should we do it in reverse order? So yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Really high. I think we probably should. So somehow in fourth place, <laughs> it's it's me with fourteen uh, percent. I'm, I'm not surprised you're in fourth place. I'm surprised you managed to amass fourteen percent of the vote. To be <laughs> yep. honest, thanks, listening public. Um, in uh, third place is uh, Tom Dark with nineteen percent of the votes. Disappointing. Disappointing. Uh, second place is Adam with 32%, but our winner was Tom Stab with 35% of the votes. Yay! An absolute steal. I yeah. demand a second vote. So, um, yeah, if you're a government, not enough to command a majority, so <laughs> actually not that great a, a victory. <laughs> I am willing to, to, to create a coalition with Tom Stab of people that can draw. Though. <laughs> okay, uh, next we asked about your guilty pleasure snack choices. So we asked which was the worst finally common sense has shone through here um, so <laughs> what's uh, the worst thing so in reverse order is me with super noodles so that's you saying that it's ultimately good um and <laughs> the then, best of well, a bad bite shall we le- say it's the least bad it's <laughs> yeah, not i'm not saying it's good uh next was uh, tom dark with ham and salad cream again quite functional quite normal uh <laughs> adam then starting to tip into vulgarity here with, <laughs> with gherkins and barbecue mayo um uh, but the clear winner was uh, was tom stab uh, with a stop cube, stock cube packet, which frankly I think is something that can you talk me through this? Crucially, you just snack. said the word winner, so that's two poles in a row that I've won, and so interestingly, win, exactly the same order as well. Win, winner of the worst in that one, yeah. so, so you've won the shitty crown. Just briefly, how does that work? You've used the, you've used the bulk of the stock cube, no, in an right, actual so, recipe, and no. then you lick oh, good, the powder. Let's, let's go over no, no, this again, so, shall we? Yeah, so okay. right, I'm making some kind of stew or curry or something that requires yep. stock. So far, so sane. Yep, I've unwrapped the uh, stock cube or opened the uh, what they called the the, the gel type thing yep. ones, the yep. stock flavor pot things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I've dropped it in. The main okay. the main uh, item has been deployed into the food stuff. Okay. I'm left with either the crumbly remnants of the yep. cube, or mm. I'm left like with the kind, kind of, of gooey residue, and, or I'm left with in the in the stock pot the a, a kind of sort of like a little sauce at the bottom there, and I just kind of stick mm. my tongue in and around <laughs> the the foil packet Disgusting. or the, uh, the the stock pot and and really get in there. It's pure flavour. It's my little guilty pleasure. I hold it back for myself. And 52 percent mm. of our listeners agreed that it was the worst. Yeah, approximately 82 people have taken the time out of their day to tell you that this <laughs> <is> reviled. <laughs> And disgusted them. Although I've just remembered that uh, a guilty snack pleasure. Oh damn! I wish I uh, remembered this earlier, but I'll see if I can dig it out. But there was a, there was something in an interview or something. Scylla Black, God rest her soul, said that her she loved to get a beef stock cube open it and rub it on a segment of orange and then eat the orange. What? Yeah, I'm going to try and dig that out. That I'm I'm 
confident that I'm not making that up and that she actually said that. I reckon Jed would eat. <laughs> also keen to try. Uh, we have also had a message on Instagram. I think it's just quickly worth resurfacing that. Um, from, Definitely from, is. This uh, is insane. <laughs> this is another kind of guilty uh, pleasure snack um, for the five minute fondue. That's trademarked. Um, so it's in, five hand, <laughs> it's in five handy steps. Uh, point one, get home drunk. <laughs> That's crucial. <laughs> Two, take half a pint of milk and a block of cheddar cheese. Three, combine both in a bowl with some fresh ground black pepper. Four, microwave for four minutes or until all the cheese has melted into the milk. And then five, drink. Uh, be careful of uh, the bowl because uh, the molten milky cheese can cause some serious facial burns. Um, and that was from McCafferty21 on Instagram. So thank you. But I think that sounds absolutely disgusting. I think we just replied to that with staggering, didn't we? Yeah, it's gross. And then finally, um, quite a, a contentious one, but we talked about whether um, cauliflower cheese had any role in a Christmas dinner. Um, the, revol- the results were quite conclusive on this one. So 23% said yes, it's traditional, but 77% of you said no, it's not traditional. I think from memory, Adam would have been a massive backer of cauliflower cheese. I think the issue here is that even I would concede that it's not necessarily traditional, but that doesn't mean that it isn't absolutely welcome. <laughs> and, and, and these days an essential part of the mix yeah, essential just, just wow there. as we move into a more multicultural society right okay. cauliflower <laughs> cheese needs to be accepted but the be real more, be more welcoming that's what Adam's so saying. so those are, that was a quick wrap-up of the polls but i think the clear winner was that the polls were massive and people liked them so we should continue doing a weekly or almost weekly poll yeah and can i also say that you're bigging up the polls but i'm the one here who actually does them and puts them live <laughs> <laughs> oh behind the looking glass yeah. there yeah. Drawing back the velvet curtain. That's why, Nick's, works. that's why Nick's a strong advocate for an hourly poll from now until the end of time. Okay, um, as as we've come to expect from you, wonderful listeners, we've actually got so much feedback that we're going to have to crack the back of this into two episodes. Uh, so thank you so much for all your feedback that we've covered this time. Uh, and we'll be back re- relatively shortly with some more of your feedback before we delve into our next series proper. Um, if you want to add to the feedback pile, then please do. On Instagram, it's at Monkey Tennis Pod. On Twitter, it's at The Partridge Pod. We're Facebook.com slash The Partridge Pod. The Partridge Pod at gmail.com. And the WhatsApp voice line is open for your calls 0792 600 if you want to leave us feedback through any of those mediums uh, if you're using whatsapp please leave a voice note uh, and then we might pick it up in a future episode and we certainly love to hear your theories and uh, all the things we fucked up um, <laughs> so, and, it's, and it's mostly our errors that yeah, we'll be yeah. hearing about yeah so on that bombshell that's everything from us at monkey tennis the alan partridge fan podcast thank you so much for listening please do subscribe and give us a review on itunes if you're enjoying what you're hearing and we will be back very soon with more of your feedback thanks and goodbye goodbye see ya I must complete the journey that my father never could. I must do it on foot. Can't remember why. It will be called The Footsteps of My Father Walk. My home isn't insulated. Monkey tennis? Heathrow is just an absolute tit of an airport. Quite simply, cows. Monkey tennis? With his stupid Ewok head. Lava on him, Nolsey. Love you, Aim. Monkey tennis? A total wazzock of a guy. Infinity, the final frontier. Monkey tennis? We will talk about it now, Mr. Nichols. Monkey tennis? Motherfucker. Gary Wilmot. Okay. Sue Cook. Okay. Dale Winton. Okay. Monkey tennis? Oh, fuck off, Nick. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. 